The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hey, this is Matt Landry, the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars. This is where the fun begins. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 154. Okie day? Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hello there, everyone. I'm Mike Creevy, a.k.a. Old Ben. And you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Please be sure to share this podcast on Twitter and Facebook and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review pretty much anywhere you can. We'd really appreciate that. And so on this episode tonight of Secrets of Star Wars, we're thrilled to take a closer look at Mandalorian Season 3. Episode 4, which officially is titled uh, Chapter 20, The Foundling. I mean, uh, this is <laughs> Mandalorian boot camp, giant flying dinosaur babies, a uh, new signet for Bo-Katan, uh, Grogu's Jedi Temple escape all in one episode, and a short one at that. I mean, let's get right to it. So <laughs> joining me tonight to unpack all this. First up, Catherine Laffrey. How you doing, Catherine? Real good. Good, good. And Patrick Mason, welcome. Ah, thank you. Great to be here. Well, and we're um, going to just, as I said, jump right in with the kind of abbreviated plot synopsis. And I'm just taking this mostly from, well, I'm taking it from Wikipedia. I'm tweaking it just a tad. So uh, we have here the description on uh, Wikipedia for chapter 20, which is uh, directed by Carl Weathers, which is pretty awesome. So yeah. we got uh, Grief Karga jumping behind the camera here for this one. <laughs> uh, and then written by John Favreau. Uh, and Dave Filoni. So um, when when I heard that, I kind of, part of me expected Ahsoka to show up, but, you know, we got another <laughs> one coming up. Filoni helped to write episode seven, so we'll see. Anyway, it says, uh, Din Djarin introduces Grogu to Mandalorian combat training. Grogu wins a training match, but his opponent Ragnar is captured by a large raptor. Bo-Katan gathers a hunting party, which includes Din and Ragnar's father, Paz Vizsla, who leads them to the raptor's nest. The armor forges a new piece of Mandalorian armor for Grogu. As she works, Grogu has visions of his rescue from the Jedi Temple, which we'll come back to. Vizsla's over-eagerness to save Ragnar disrupts Bo-Katan's plan and leads to a difficult aerial rescue in which Bo-Katan and Din rescue the boy unharmed, kill the raptor, collect its chicks, and earn the clan's respect. As the armorer replaces Bo's pauldron, Lost in the scuffle with the raptor, Bo reveals her encounter with the mythosaur. And so we're going to come back to all of that later. I should have said spoiler warning ahead, but as we always say, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this show has hopefully seen chapter 20. So uh, can't be mad at me for that. So not well, me. Um, you spoiled yeah, right. it. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting twist. All of a sudden, it's like, I didn't see this yet. So, um, but yeah, let's let's just jump right in with that that Mandalorian covert culture. So. Uh, what do you guys think of that opening scene? Just any any fun, you know, or interesting thoughts or observations about the uh, a day in the life of this Mandalorian covert? 
Uh, it was just like jumping into summer camp. I coach uh, varsity <laughs> sports, and we run our summer camps. And when you get all the little kids coming in to show off what they can do, and I have actually been at different times in my life, Grogu with a parent telling me, go ahead, you can do it. Show them what you can do. <laughs> the parent telling my kids, go ahead, show them what you can do. And the coach on the other side of it going, really? <laughs> or the kid who has to play against that kid, really? <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was definitely sports summer camp all over again. <laughs> right. How about you, Patrick? I, uh... I, I don't know what they were shooting at. That's what I was saying. Like, like, you know, there's there's a way to do target practice, and just shooting randomly over a lake is not the way to do target practice, <laughs> in my experience. Well, I was laughing even as a golfer. I was remembering going back on the team yes. in high school, like, you know, like at the practice range, and like you just want to chip, and the coach is like, aim at something like you bet like aim at that flag stick over there like try to get it close to that like yes don't just hit the ball try and put it somewhere right. <laughs> yeah we're not just yeah. teeing it up into the lake right yeah. i was just wondering if they were trying to stir up another crocodile turtle thing you know which right, of course yeah. makes an appearance later but yeah i was like well they're hanging in there with this location <laughs> which for scared away yeah kudos to them <laughs> but uh, I, well, in, in this same scene, I just wanted to ask you guys, I don't know if, you know, I heard some people talking about this and, and heard different theories, but what was your reaction when you saw the contrast then with what's going on there and little Grogu down by the shore with those little rock crabs? How about you, Catherine? Well, you, you think there's a, a significant difference here they're trying to show between him and this culture or, or what do you think? I mean, you can tell they haven't quite thought of how to incorporate him because he is so small and in the years of coaching there were times where I would have my daughters there little kids and they're usually like sitting off in a corner somewhere and what are they usually doing just rolling the ball back and forth so it's like okay memories of that but at the same time those are the kids that jump in and play the best someday when people underestimate them that's true yeah, there was some commentary I saw somewhere online that was just speculating that, you know, and who knows, like we, we know he's very attuned to the force, of course, but it was like, it was interesting that Din comes up, he's like, okay, time to stop playing with the rocks, you know, and it was like, does he, is he just calling them those or, or is he not paying attention as much to his surroundings? It's just, I, I don't know if that's, that's really something we're supposed to see there or not that like Mandalorians don't see as far, right? Maybe as, as Grogu does, I don't know, and would. What you guys think about that or... Or they don't see the little things. Right, yeah. Which that kind of made sense. Like, I I get this, you know, having watched the show and um, seen Boba Fett and whatnot, there's just this underlying feeling of, like, I can't get hurt, right? I mean, I have this Mandalorian armor, and so I do, I do these things or I adopt these tactics that a lot of times make no sense for the situation, like... I'm going to charge ahead into these 10 people and they're going to all shoot me. Like no sane person does that except the Mandalorian because he's got the Beskar armor. But mm. I think that causes them to do a lot of things that, or, or overlook things that could be threats just because, Oh, I've got the armor. It'll take care of me. And I don't have to worry about that. Um, right. I saw that, you know, definitely the fight with the turtle or the Kraka crocoturtle or turtle gator or whatever it is still haven't landed on a name i really like but uh 
you know, just the combat tactics against that thing to belied this, hey, guys, come on, you don't put the bombs on the shell. <laughs> like, right. You, you throw it down yeah. the throat. I, Guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you do kind of get that feeling that maybe there's a lot of stuff they just miss. Right. Um, and maybe, and, and possibly that's why one of the reasons didn't, Dejar was was allowed to leave the covert back in you know season one when mm. he was like the only one allowed out to go bounty hunt because when you're a bounty hunter you know part of that is sleuth right you have to be a sleuth you have to be able to pick up on those small things and search those right. small things so I'm I'm wondering if he has a little more far sightedness to him yeah he might that's a good point but then you know the rocks <laughs> right yeah. Well, and and I know this this is something that's been coming up a lot, you know, this season, and and you know we've talked before um, so much about these faith themes in Mandalorian, even down to the titles, right? Like we've had, I'm not going to remember all of them, but you know, the sin, the believer, you know, there, there's uh, redemption themes. There's like there's all these these titles, and of course now convert. apostate, convert, apostate, right? Yeah, um, it's like really thrown in your face on this one, right? Yeah, like you can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't avoid it. And it's, and I know it's something we've been talking about in the chat too a little bit. It's just this ongoing question of like, what? I'm just, and I'm curious, like, to see what you guys think at this point. Any any thoughts you have um, about what it really means for? Well, for Din to be redeemed, I think we kind of expected that, or we sort of maybe have a better sense. But what do you guys think? I'm curious about Bo, like like for Bo Katan, what what she might be thinking here, or what? I guess both sides of it. What do you think she might be thinking of this this whole redemption thing versus what the armor or this this community who has pretty clearly pointed out before in the in the storyline here that you know they consider her partially responsible for the loss of mandalore but they're being seemingly so welcoming here to you so just i wanted to get your guys thoughts on that too since that's something we didn't get to talk about before you know uh i don't think any of us were were any of you on last week i was not or were you okay yeah yeah so maybe just kind of continuing that just just want to see what you guys think i mean with her being without a family and without her own little group either. They've all left her. I just feel like this, she's just trying to figure out where does she belong. I think she's just as lost as anyone in this whole thing. She's trying to figure out where she fits in, especially within her own culture, within her own people. Yeah, she seems to have gone on some memory lane trips as she went down to help Din and, you know, just kind of looking back at her past and trying to see the connections for her. Well, just off like to ask you, Catherine, off that, are you, I'm just curious if you specifically are thinking she's, do you think she has an ulterior motive right at this point, or do you think she's pretty open right now <laughs> to possible ways forward? I think she's trying to figure out what her next step should be. Because hmm. she doesn't seem like she's being too plotting in all of this. Of course, it's hard to tell when everyone has a mask on what they're really right. thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into more of that later. But yeah, I mean, she doesn't in her tone seem like she's plotting a takeover Uh of the watch or, you know, or try to be the great leader anymore. I think she's fallen too many times or she's just trying to figure out what her next step should be. How about you? Yeah. So she has this uh, and we get kind of a, a real feel that it is a full blown kind of religious experience. Um, by just seeing the myth of war, right? 
She mm-hmm. sees it, and you get that shot, and she comes out of the water, and after that, she doesn't take the helmet off, mm-hmm. and you're all, and she's she's very quiet, right after that point, in comparison to her nonstop kind of chatter going mm-hmm. into the mine, and she she she's quiet, and then the very beginning of episode three, she has her house destroyed, right? So, right. I got no friends, I got no family, and now I got no house, <laughs> and I've just had this religious experience. You know, with this thing I didn't really even believe in. Um, right. Uh, she was kind of mocking and, it, too, right? In the plaque, right? You know, she yeah. was like, oh, what is this exactly. earlier? Okay. And, <laughs> Unicorns. You know, <laughs> and her position on the on the watch is that, the, you know, there are a bunch of religious fanatics who cost them, you know, who who she's pointing the finger at. Like, you are right. part of the reason we lost Mandalore. Right. Um, and so this is very much a potential you know, Paul, Saul, knocked from the horse kind of a situation. And yeah. it's very interesting, the conversation she has with the armorer, because you, you kind of get the feel from the earlier seasons that her and the armorer are sort of, you know, diametric opposites. They're, they're you know, the armorer has her, you know, the, the watch, and, and Bo-Katan has her people and they're they're sort of divergent groups and they're supposed to be doing other things and now you have Bo-Katan sitting there without one of her pieces of armor so she's been partly de-armored but redeemed sitting with this armor who is now making and now incorporating the whole new symbol and I know we'll get to that but <laughs> but it feels to me like Bo is on a potential like very mystical kind of journey here but it it's just very it's it's very interesting to me how far into sort of the religious mythos space we've gone, considering that Star Wars has almost always played all of its chips in that arena into the Force, right? right. All of the religious, mystical, mythological stuff has all been Force-based, and this is something very different. Um, yeah. And so it's it's very interesting to see that play out in the Star Wars universe. No, I agree. And I, I was just going to say, I, I think it, it's you're right on with something that that's really been kind of making me scratch my head here. And I, I'm I'm feeling like it'll come full circle somehow or they'll address it with all of this, because, you know, when she first in that the, the heiress episode in season two, I think that was right when he first meets her and she takes her helmet off and he's put back real quick and she she first uses that phrase right always you know children of the watch like oh man um we had seen death watch or we i guess death watch with their emblem and everything rescuing him in his flashbacks in season one but i'm not i don't think they've really established yet what the difference is between death watch and children of the watch because they're clearly affiliated in the whole concordia thing but pas vizsla or pre vizsla rather uh and Bo when she was part of death watch in her late teens or whatever they had their helmets off all the time so, like, I'm not really clear where this really rigid, because they don't just talk about it like it's a custom. They talk about it like it's the Mandalorian thing going all the way back thousands of years. And that's where I'm not really clear yet where that comes from. Um, but by the same token, it'll just be interesting to see where, you know, you're right, like this this religious sort of um, um, attitude here about all of this for them that this is so profoundly deep as din says many times right weapons are part of my religion <laughs> as he says a couple times it's just really interesting to see how they'll flesh that out um 
I'd like to see more about Mandalorian eschatology, I think is what I'm trying to say. Like, what's the what's the end game? You know, like there's no discussion of eternal life here. It's like this. This is the way like life is about hardship and adversity and hanging together in the tribe. And if you do it the way they say, you can be part of it. You know, if you don't, you're out and then you go wash in the water and come back and hey, welcome. You know, so, right. Yeah. What is what is know, the long term payoff of being right. a member of, you know, following the creed? Right. It it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of some of the times when, like, I've been really beating myself up over some sin I've committed or, you know, it might be the 50th time, you know, and like I'm standing there and I had a priest. So I'll just share this really quick. There's a priest one time I was really like stressed out. I was nervous and I was like, oh, and I was acting as if this was like. The sin to beat all sins, you know. Um, and, and not, you know, I mean, that's really how I felt, I guess. And I was just so ashamed of it, whatever. And I go in and I, I confess to him and it was this big, like, like, um, um, it was a big penance event where there were just so many people there and they didn't have a lot of space, but so many people were, were talking to priests and stuff. It was just this energy in the room. It was really neat. And he's sitting there like this with his kind of, he's this old guy and he's looking down and I confessed my sin and I'm all like, you know, emotional and serious about it. He listens and he just looks out. He looks up at me and he goes, take a number, son. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, he's like, are you sorry for what you've done? I said, yeah. He goes, are you going to, you going to try harder with the grace of the Lord? I said, yeah. And he goes, all right. God, the father mercies. It's just, you know, and it was so like, and it was such a beautiful, like, I mean, confession's one of my favorite sins because like, I, I love the advice and everything, but, but sometimes I love when I just go in there and the priest is just like, reminds me that. Even the worst I can do is nothing compared to God's mercy. Right. And I do get a little bit from, from this, like all the, you know, like now they go through a lot more than I did with <laughs> almost drowning and being killed. But the idea of like, did you, you know, <laughs> did you do the thing? Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let me just jump here quick. Ask you guys, uh, did, did you think the, um, we're going to get to the main hunt and everything here quick. I just want to mention in passing, what'd you think of Grogu's little, little one-on-one match with Ragnar here? <laughs> any, any takeaways from that? I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Hasbro's going to like double their money this season. Just all these little accessories <laughs> gotcha. for Grogu. <laughs> but I mean, the puppeteers nailed the facial expressions and the movements. I mean, especially when he takes that first hit. If you watch it in yeah. slow motion and see his little like, what? <laughs> Just awesome. <laughs> and then especially when he's looking back over his shoulder at Din, oh, yeah. like, um, Dad, do I have to keep doing this? You know? yeah. It's what like, don't I look doing? at me. Take care of him. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that was, you know, I'm not the guy. Oh, my goodness. And then that other line, of course, the one does not speak unless one knows. Yeah, oh, gosh, I'm using saying, that one yeah. when I coach this fall. <laughs> yeah, I have so many coaches and teachers this week that are like, that's going on the board. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> what do you think, Patrick, about that that little duel? <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting. Like, and I, I mean, it was fun, definitely. Uh, especially the, the go-between between Din and Bo-Katan. Um, it's kind of like the mom and dad sort of a thing. Yeah. Are you sure he's ready? Yeah, he's ready. He'll do fine. Are you sure this is a good idea? He's so small. Um, (laughs) You know, that sort of playing out. And And then Bo's like, yeah, he's like, he's just like my dad. He's just proud of you. You know, like put his little thing on. (laughs) Just strap up and take it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I did find it interesting. Like the kid brought up, you know, he doesn't have a helmet on. Like, well, he can't say the creed yet. And that does bring up a good point. And like, when 
do Yodas get the ability to talk? Like, when does that happen yeah. in their yeah. lifespan? Like, how old is he going to be before he can take? How right. much Mandalorian training is he going to get prior to being able to do the Creed and put on a helmet? Yeah. And what does that mean for, like, him and the Creed and the group? And, like, how does that dynamic work? Like, if, if the normal course of events is you you don't go into certain training programs or you don't do certain things with everybody else until you've been fully brought into, you know, the group, then what does that mean for Gray? Is he going to be an outsider for 50 years? Is he going to be a foundling for, a, you know, decades? Like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> The only foundling to retrain is uh, his next uh, mentor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because that's I was thinking like they're not they have to resolve that eventually because they can't have a scene, you know, like <laughs> like season season 25 of the Mandalorian, like the armor is dying and she's like, <laughs> you're still not ready, Grogu. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, OK, like we're going to have to figure something out with this. But um, yeah, and they can't, you know, you figure they can't do something like. Yeah, you can't really escape that aging. Like, it's not like something they can just jump it or, or something. I mean, you know, it's 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 going to be a, a key piece of this. It'll be neat to see how they do this. Um, But let me let me jump here to just kind of jump ahead a little bit. Of course, the as if this kid, by the way, Ragnar's just he's got to be the, the, the most unlucky character in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, well, he's the he's the most accident prone character since Jar Jar, which is ironic. Which will come up later, but anyway, um, but yeah, like this, and not only was he captured, but I love how when you finally see in the nest, like the thing like spits him out too, <laughs> like it had him. Like, oh come on! But uh, so of course he goes off. Um, I guess they were doing too much jetpack uh, training because nobody has enough fuel to get down the canyon, you know. Yeah. Um, but finally then this, we uh, get to see the limits of the jetpacks. Yeah. Indeed, <laughs> they just can't fly they have forever, to be folks. Them. They, yeah. <laughs> But I, I was really, I got to say, I was really happy to see, like, I, I had this this noticeable, like, yes, kind of thing. Like, when, like, they're running out of fuel, running out of fuel, and then Bo-Katan's just, you know. It's like, yeah, I have a jetpack, but I have a ship, too, guys. Like, like she yeah. really quickly establishes herself in this episode, I think quicker than I thought. And I want to get your guys' thoughts here, too. And this she's really, like, taking the reins and, and demonstrating this this leadership. Was that something you guys were surprised to see, or were you kind of expecting her to step up around this point <laughs> it didn't seem out of place for her to jump in and i have to say that poor little kid man he must smell really good to monsters <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's standing by the lake twice and he's drawn on two different monsters but oh but her taking off after it with the way the sun was and everything yeah. i thought of king kong right away oh yeah, yeah, yeah. in the kong movie where they're like flying the helicopters, the helicopters. and you see kong yeah, it was like yeah. oh, another cool. monster movie <laughs> yeah it had that vibe yeah <laughs> yeah i like what planet are they living on like why did you guys pick this one huh <laughs> all these giant monsters I guess, well, she does, and the armor says something about, you know, it's part of their, to, to face adversity and all this, and I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> you're, you're doing that, I guess, you know, I guess it wouldn't fit to have them, you know, on, on, I don't know, some beach in Scarif or something, or. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many foundlings do they have to feed to that thing to figure out what it does? You yeah, know, that was, it's like, that oh, was if you scare creepy. it, it eats it or, you know, kills right. it. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we have a lot of experience with this. I'm like, uh. Like, why? Okay. Why do you have yeah. a lot of experience with this? 
I'm like, sorry. If I was one of those kids, I would not leave the cave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no. Yeah. It's time oh to go out and train. Uh, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, this is so cool, though, because that they that they go out and a lot of these themes we've been talking about come to a head here where, you know, like, again, Bo-Katan's demonstrating this leadership. They go out there and there's everybody's kind of chipping in. They're all working together. That's the first we've really seen that. Um, and then we have this really cool campfire scene. And I th- two things I noticed, and I just want to kick it over to you guys. The um, I, Bo-Katan's humility, I, I really think, is interesting to look at. That, you know, here's because she, as, as you said, I think, Patrick, earlier, she did not show much of that <laughs> in the Minds of Mandalore episode. You know, she and she's no. so grim at the beginning of the season. We said all she was missing was some spotchka there, you know, just like <laughs> sitting, you know. But then here she is all of a sudden, like asking Din, you know, for like cultural awareness advice. <laughs> it's like, OK, well, how, how do I eat? What, what do I do with, you know, is, yeah. do I take my helmet off or, you know, it's like she's serious about not screwing that up. Um, but um, then and this is something I, I, I knew we'd probably want to talk about. I was excited to get into this as as Catholics. Right. You know, that here's this this communal event. Right. The shared meal, the most fundamental <laughs> You know, human communion. And what do they do? Okay, let's ever everybody go off where you can't see each other and hide. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what an amazing, like, anti-communion kind of communion. And and uh, so just, you know, let's let's dig into that. Whatever you guys want to whatever you want to go with that. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of was when I saw them split up. I'm like, wait, they have a creed, but no communion. You know, how, right. do, <laughs> how do you hook, how do you stay together? You know, how do you? And then I, you know, just jokingly, I did mm-hmm. put out there, what, no dinner dates? You know, so no wonder they need foundlings is what a lot of people yes. comment. It's like, okay, it's not very intimate. But I did like roses go and, and candlelight and then you just go to the next room and yeah, eat. Yeah. <laughs> go eat. But I did uh, look up some information about the benefits of sharing a meal. Mm. And it was fascinating, this, uh, the information that came up for, especially for businesses where they talked about the importance of having that shared lunch. Because so many times people work through lunch now Mm. or just head off and do their own thing and come back because they don't want to be bothered. Let's just get this done. But there was like report after report that was talking about that it promotes productivity. um, It helps boost morale. Obviously, their trust grows between people. And uh, it's just kind of like lowers the stress level and you look at the way the mandalorians live they don't trust their own unless you like follow exactly letter of the law and they don't seem very relaxed They're a very high mm. stress group <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think patrick yeah a, a very strange <laughs> like yeah <laughs> what, what caught me first honestly was the um just the dumbness of it from a tactical nature. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to take the point at which we're all the most vulnerable. We have our primary piece of armor off, which is the helmet protecting the primary <laughs> squishy part that'll cause everything else to stop working. And most of us are going to go out into the dark mm-hmm. <laughs> and eat and leave the one person in the light able to actually see. I'm like, 
This is like the, this is yet more yeah. of that I'm invincible <laughs> stuff the Mandalorians have going on. Ah, oh, the armor will take care of you. You're not even wearing the armor. Like it's, <laughs> oh my gosh. It off. And, and so like from that perspective, I just, but then, and, and then, then the other one, like, how do you guys get to know each other? Like, I mean, sitting down and having a meal together, it, it's the perfect excuse for then getting to know whoever it is you happen to be eating with because you you have a purpose, right? You you have something you're you're both doing, so you can go back to well, you know, why are you eating together? Well, we both had to eat, you know, <laughs> kind right. of thing. Yeah. And then you you so, I mean, what? It doesn't seem to be a way to build any kind of community, there. right? And that's kind of exactly what we saw. Oh my gosh, yeah. And what a contrast between Bo-Katan having to deal with all of this and knowing what. Her- her sister had and it had to have been strongly established because the Mandalorians that were the pacifists that weren't wearing all the armor had an incredible culture set up mm-hmm. including meals because yeah. when we see her flying on her ship and having this elaborate meal with oh, all the yeah, senators yeah, and representatives yeah. it's like there's obviously a culture of a shared meal in there somewhere right. why they reject that is shocking yeah, and it's it's so fundamental, and it's just so that was an, just a neat shot of Bo-Katan there. The only, unless I'm mistaken, the only time in the episode we saw a human face, right? Well, except in the flashbacks, um, that she's completely by herself. <laughs> so, you know, can't find, so here she is, like she's been welcomed into this new family, and she's a member. She's been redeemed, and she's part of this community, and they're gone. And she's still alone and sitting there. And it's like, it's obvious to me. I just, it just really felt so clear that like, this is good. We're getting somewhere, but like, it can't really just continue this way though. There's going to have to be some, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I still feel we'll see the armor without her helmet even someday at some point. I don't know. I just think the helmets are coming off. There's also no way that Pedro Pascal is going to go one season without his helmet off. So, but I, but I, I'm wondering, cause I'm like all this stuff to build up to their redemption. Like we only have four episodes left, right? You know, I guess it's yeah. possible he won't take it off, but uh, I don't know. He had it off once in season one and I think twice in season two, right? At that, uh, that little terminal. Yeah. Um, terminal. And, and then at the end with Grogu. So, uh, <laughs> oh, we'll see. But um well let me um maybe jump here over to you know, we have the rescue. Maybe I'll just just wrap up with the rescue and then we'll cut back to Grogu's flashback. Might be better to do it that way so we can focus on that for a little bit. But um you know, we have the rescue. That was pretty cool. Just the the repelling and or the um, you know, I guess not repelling, but climbing up the uh the sheer rock face and um I mean like I said before about Hasbro, I mean this is just, <laughs> do, do you guys now do you guys know I haven't heard anything about this, I'm just off the top of my head. Do you know if these are all actors or if, if they're fitting some of these these Mandalorian enthusiasts, you know, from the the, the different groups of Mandalorians at the uh conventions and stuff like that? Because you know, Dave Filoni and them go way back like and I know they had a lot of the uh, the 501st guys show up, guys and gals show up in, you know, as stormtroopers and stuff in, in previous seasons. Have you heard anything about that? I just wasn't sure if no. that's been announced yet or anything. I don't know. Or if they're all actors, I, I wasn't sure. All I know is some of them seem like professional rock climbers. Yes. That's what... In that one. Because <laughs> yeah. there were some the movies there that I was like going, that looks like legit rock climbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. 
saying to myself that, you know, I didn't see any of that going on at the training camp, but obviously right. there's some rock climbing as right. part of their there training. Has to be. <laughs> Somebody's like, they get there, they're like, oh, like the one thing, you know, <laughs> this was supposed to be next week's unit, you know, like <laughs> I didn't get my merit badge in this. <laughs> see, that's that, that would be like if it was U.S. Army. No, like <laughs> back in my day, like, OK, like, of course, this would happen because the one thing I didn't prepare for. So uh, but they, of course, they get up there. Were you guys surprised that, uh, you know, Ragnar is I ruined it with the you know Wikipedia's reading earlier. I, I meant to delete that part out. But Paz is uh, son. Do you think he's well, and it's called the foundling. I'm assuming that's referring to Ragnar and Grogu, probably. But uh, did you was that the impression you guys got that he's a, a foundling that Paz has raised? Or that it's his Please. actual son. I mean, like we kind of what Catherine's getting. At. I don't really know that how that would work tell. with no, the, all their armor yeah. and helmets. And I don't want to get into that, but yeah, what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> what are you guys able to take off exactly? Yeah, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going with a Jedi esque celibacy thing here with this sect, is my guess, and all these foundlings because they're always talking about the foundlings. But yeah, uh, but yeah, that was I didn't. Uh, he, I don't know if he's a newer sort of addition here or if he was hidden away in that covert that got wiped out on Navarro because he wasn't there, seemingly. Yeah, there's a lot more kids yeah. that we've ever seen. Yeah, I just keep wondering, where are they from? I hope they weren't yeah. stolen. Yeah, I hope right. they didn't pull an empire on this and go raid a right. bunch of villages and take their children. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's... It just raises further questions. There's no... Right. I mean, I could see that either way. I could see this as somebody Paz raised. I could see it as Paz's actual kid. But in either of those circumstances, I have further questions. <laughs> right. And I, well, I and don't I, know. I will say, I'm, I'm glad that they are... You know, they're always raising questions, but at least they're answering some, too. Because I... Cause, I, I, this might be a good place to jump to Grogu's flashback here. Because I don't know about you guys, but I was... I thought they would do it. They they teased that there would be some more about this in this flashback. You know, oh, wait, uh, before the... you go to that, I've oh, sure, got sure. a question about that yeah, big yeah. creature. Oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. Is, what is their eating process like? Because right. <laughs> if she had Ragnar in her gullet or whatever for 24 hours plus, how did that kid come out going, help me, and be as dry as a bone? I'm just like... Did she I throw guess, him down, pick him up, eat him a couple of times, spit him out? I don't know. That, if she that had, if she had him in me. there, she can't have any sort of stomach acid on par with the Sarlacc because, you know, Boba <laughs> couldn't last that long inside there. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I just kept going, question. how long was that kid in there? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I totally thought he was the heat signature over the thing. That was so gross. <laughs> so no, I, I I knew it was going to be baby raptors. Like the minute, like oh, there's a heat signature, yep. and Paz jumps, and I'm like, oh no, this is going to yep, go sideways real fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And well, and of course, just to jump ahead a little bit, you know, the the rescue scene was was pretty awesome, and and the setup that I, I think we'll finish with uh, the armor and Bo-Katan's interaction. But of course, the set setting that up with her losing her her shoulder piece. I just I forgot the name, but it was a pauldron, I think. Um, but uh, did you guys also get this sort of Jurassic World vibe off the uh, like the <laughs> the giant croc coming up and, you know. Yes. Uh, and there's always a bigger fish. Yes. Yep. Right. There's another, yeah. Qui-Gon was uh, was indeed right. So, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, then I love that. How they, t- they, yeah. they it's like, oh, and the rapper's in the water now. 
bam. Yeah. It was like solid. Now I got a good size differential for how big that thing really is. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Well, and, and did you guys get the, uh, you know, when they have the resolution there, the, the camp at the end and, you know, the armor, that was neat too, the, the really high praise of like, now she's gone from like Bo-Katan's redeemed to now she's she's done the highest honor, you know, that, that can be done of saving a foundling, which is cool. But uh, I got to say, I was not expecting, <laughs> again, we have some more foundlings and they pull those suckers off the ship. You know, uh, you guys also think that those things are getting ridden here at some point? <laughs> Oh yeah! Tamed. Oh yeah! <laughs> Tamed and flown. Yeah, it's gonna oh be gosh. heavy metal flying. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but they're gonna fly yes. those giant <laughs> chicken things. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Don Felder or who? I forget the guitar part for that. But, oh, yeah, gosh. I don't remember. But <laughs> I'm just I'm envisioning we've got you know like the 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 toy box or the toy set of like Bo Katan on the Mythosaur and then you know three Mandalorians on those things. It's bound to happen <laughs> so but but over to this uh um this flashback scene i, I just want to set this up quick and then and kick it over to you guys the well first of all it, i it wasn't i i had different theories i had different ideas of who it could be never expected this guy and personally i, I don't think they could have done a better job with it for a lot of reasons you know it just makes a lot of sense and it ties up some interesting loose ends and connects some dots that are interesting that I didn't think they connect. But, um, but I, I, I gotta say, I, I don't think I was pessimistic, but I, I think I tried to stop hoping too much that we would get exactly what we got and more in the sense of finally filling in this gap of like, uh, as I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago, they're like, this is, it's frustrating me because I love Grogu, but you know, he's been in our lives now for almost four years <laughs> and we still <laughs> like this, this, big glaring like who is he you know or or at least how did he get out of the temple you know so um what were your guys first thoughts here watching this you know just just play out you know did, did you recognize who saved him at first did you you know how'd that go for you as you watched it that first time i mean i i recognized the movements in the actor when he was doing his <laughs> little lightsaber duel mm -hmm. and then from that moment on i was like oh my gosh that really is. And then I'm like trying to take the fight serious, but all I could see was Jar Jar. Who I love. I love Jar Jar. Same. But it's like, I know he's trying to fight serious. And it was just like, okay. You know, he's I saw all me. the little cartoon versions of Jar Jar fighting mm. in my head. It was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is awesome. <laughs> How about you, Pat? I, uh, I didn't figure it out. Like, I was like, man, he looks familiar. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, my friend who watched it earlier in the week prompted me, he was like, you're going to, this, this is going to be an interesting, you know, cameo. It's going to be, you're going to get in. And I'm, looking, I'm like, <laughs> I know this is it. Cause I, I, but I can't put my finger on it. And then I'm mm -hmm. watching the end and the credit comes up and I'm like, that was a good way to do that. That was solid. That was good. Well, and, and just for anyone who might be, a little hazy on just to who it was here, of course, you know, so that the character is, is uh, Jedi Master Kelleran Beck, uh, B-E-Q, otherwise known, according to his Wikipedia entry, as the Sabered Hand, which is funny because uh, my Google Doc kept trying to change it to the Severed Hand, which <laughs> which has its place in Star Wars, of course. But um, but at any rate, it's it's just so interesting because now I caught a little bit of the 
the Jedi Temple Challenge game show that they did, you know, just just for fun to check it out. I thought it was interesting that, you know, at the news at the time what was that 2019, 2020, where they're like, hey, you know, the guy who played Jar Jar has been, you know, recast as this Jedi master for this this game. And I thought that's kind of cool, you know, and I think like you said, Catherine, I, you know, I, I was never I, I don't think I was ever like a hardcore anti Jar Jar guy. He annoys me. I definitely like he's I think he's grown on me over the years. I, I remember being at least a little disappointed with the character and having my moments. But what he became, of course, in the sort of the cultural zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it, you know, th- this this hatred that I think what's really beautiful and, and maybe not some listeners might not know this. I'm sure a lot do. But when doing some of the research for this, I, I found out that, you know, the, the negative press and the negative publicity in the years after the prequels were so intense for Ahmed Best that he contemplated suicide. And I, I think he even went to the Brooklyn Bridge and was thinking of jumping um, and praise God he didn't, you know, and, and um, has over time gotten to the point where he's even said, and this is something I'm hoping we'll get to at the end of the show, that he would um, enthusiastically be willing to play Jar Jar again if the circumstances were right. Um, and it's just one of those things where I think it's it's good for all of us to consider the importance of how we go about criticizing, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I've made plenty of criticisms on this show, my own opinion of certain things, you know, uh, from sequel trilogy and stuff. But like, you know, I'm never going to go on here and be like, oh, I think Daisy Ridley's the worst person in the world and she should be ashamed. Like, that's not my opinion, first of all, but just saying like, he got Ahmed Best got so much direct attack and got this 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 nasty sort of vitriol that um, sometimes I don't think we think that through enough about what our our criticism of a TV show or movie or, you know, yeah. as much well, as we love it, it's not worth putting someone's life at risk. So I just want to see what you guys think about any of that and, and the flack he got for Jar Jar. It's not like it was like his fault, right? Like, right, that's the other thing. He was an actor playing a yeah. character in the way the director was telling him to play it. Right. I mean, like, when actors get flack for stuff, it better, be co- it better be because they did a bad job acting. Otherwise, you're throwing your hate in the wrong direction. Like, right. Like, the person who deserves your vitriol is the writer or the director, or both. And, and, and yeah, him and Daisy Ridley and some of the other characters from the sequel movies, and you're just or actors from the sequel movies, and you're just like, why are you hating on these people? They did their job. Like, that was their job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just got to give him credit, too, because the, you know, the Jedi um, Temple Challenge didn't get quite the negative publicity that Jar Jar did, but its publicity wasn't that great either (laughs) as far as a show. And And I, you know, I mean, I think they were going for that Nickelodeon you know, you guys remember those old school like Nickelodeon game show yeah, things the, and the, the um, obstacle courses. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I just, I, I think now I didn't notice on the second watch. I got to watch it again. They are saying like as as they're being attacked. I don't know if you guys heard them. They're saying two like two or three times like get him to Kellerin. And I didn't notice mm-hmm. that the first time. Did you? Know, did you? I I hadn't known the name, you know, so I'm just watching it. And so for me, it was so cool, like seeing him. He gets up and the elevator opens, but I know I'm at best. And as soon as he steps through, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was like, because I think we had joked on the show and other people like we joked about, oh, what if Jar Jar saves him from the temple? And I'm just (laughs) dying watching this. I'm like, he did. 
technically oh my gosh this is so funny so um, i think it goes beyond technically uh well yeah that, that naboo ship <laughs> that's what i was gonna by ask a senator yeah. with the senator's guards it's gotta oh be jar jar the senator right <laughs> well yeah and that's um there were some people that speculated there was some there was a shot of a planet or something I don't know if we've seen yet in the, one of the trailers where someone was speculating, like, is that Naboo? And I'm like, well, <laughs> please, I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, I saw somebody was talking about that possibility that they said that the queen on Naboo was known for hiding Jedi mm-hmm. and then was taken out because of it. That's, yeah. So I haven't, you know, heard any of that before today. I was like, wow, that's that's a story I want to look into now. Well, and Chuck, um, did you, I don't know if you guys read Aftermath. I read some of it, but those those early novels in the Disney era, you know, um, that fill in some of the gaps after the original trilogy. And I think the last known mention of Jar Jar in the timeline, which is after this flashback, you know, but but somewhere in between there, he was. Um, uh, working as he was sort of ostracized, poor guy, by the folks on uh, Naboo for his role in putting Palpatine in power. <laughs> but he was working, I, I read somewhere, it was, he was working as like a clown or street performer, like with kids and like orphans, and that there was even some mention to him having some involvement with like an orphanage or something on Naboo. Someone can correct me, but I'm thinking to myself like, and when did that start? Because, <laughs> mm. I mean... Yeah, unless I'm wrong here, I think the last time we saw Jar Jar is in the, in he's in Padme's funeral procession. procession. Uh, it's also interesting that Ahsoka was there too. We found out from um, Tales of the Jedi. So I, I, my head's just spinning now with the whole like, where, you know, this is not, this is going to overlap, I guess, with when Padme passes away, right? I mean, like, so somewhere in there, we know that Jar Jar is on Naboo. <laughs> Yeah. sometime around when these guys are going there. So I'm, I'm really just, I would love to see something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, all of this made me go back and watch season one, episode one. Because hmm. I was like, wait a minute. How did Grogu get from the temple to Naboo to why is he with those pirates? Yeah. And not only that, then you think about it. It's like, wait, those pirates are not working for the leftover empire cloning freaks right they're not turning grogu in so who put him there and wasn't he safe there and now he's not you know it's like yeah and that's like 25 years or whatever i mean because what is it it's it's yeah the 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 temple attack is what like 19 bby or something yeah yeah, it's like 20 years between yeah it's it's 20 years to like hoth it's another 23 yeah it's and then this show like mandalorian's like five years after return of the jedi so like we're pushing 30 years since the temple escape you know and i'm like how what was he behaving like when he was 20 now i'm wondering (laughs) he's like even smaller baby you know and um yeah, I was so oh happy in the, sla- in the flashbacks, he did look like a little baby with his little button nose. <laughs> yeah, he was a little smaller. It was cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you can, I, I don't know about you guys, like you can totally hear, he, like I'm at best doesn't say a lot in this episode, but like if you, you know, you can hear Jar Jar in there, obviously, <laughs> you know, he's just like, 
don't worry, kid. It's going to be. I was like, please say it's a, you know, used to going to be okay. <laughs> Come on. Ah, darn it. No, you didn't do it. But <laughs> so, but anyway, that's, that's of course a big, big mystery. You know, we'll have to see where, where that goes, but that was exciting. And, and I personally was really happy that he didn't just save him and get him off somewhere, but like that they went off together. So there's ostensibly going to be more of their journey that'll be shared, which was something to look forward to. Um, but then I, I just want to, you know, kind of swing back here and as we we start to get near the the end of the episode so i really want to focus in here on this armorer um and bo katan scene at, at the end here and this is something honestly i hadn't really i had a particular take on this that i didn't really think of any other take and then i'm hearing other people have different takes on it so i, I want to see what you guys think so when bo katan asks uh the armorer you know about the mythosaur which i didn't expect her to do um I I sort of took this at, and and she's you know the the armor I think seems pretty clearly to be thinking it's some kind of vision or maybe it's not literal, but Bo-Katan really keeps driving that home. Like I saw a real one, an actual one, so I'm not entirely sure. Like the the armor just said this is the way. I don't know really if she believes her or not, but I heard a lot of people speculating about like, well, did she really see one or was it just a vision? I'm feeling like she saw a real mythosaur in the water down there. So I don't know. Did you guys have different takes on that or think it's a vision or something or. Hey, I think? saw that mythosaur. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, like, we it all right saw on, the mythosaur. Right <laughs> Din's the only one who didn't. <laughs> I guess she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't have a witness, though. Right. That's that is a, maybe an important point because he didn't. She asks him if he saw anything. But she didn't say to him, right? Like, hey, did you see that mythosaur? <laughs> She's like, mm, did you see something uh, down there? Like, okay. Or maybe the armor has seen it and doesn't tell anyone. Well, I, I wondered know. about that. I or and, and I wondered, too, if another thought was, you know, when he said, I didn't know it was that deep. And she said, you know, it didn't used to be or it wasn't, you know, but the the bombing kind of unsettled it. I'm assuming that had something to do with. <laughs> you know, I know I, <laughs> Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World just burst my all of my fun, you know, balloons with the not luck, uh, Loch Ness Monster recently. But <laughs> but but of course, like they brought up, of course, those theories we've heard about, like, well, maybe it's, you know, in caves underneath or something. It's like, well, so I was thinking of that. And there's another SQPN crossover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, oddly enough, that is another thing that struck me about the Crocoturtle. I'm like, mm. how is it living in those lakes? Because that is one big mamma jamma. Yes. And those lakes are not that big. <laughs> are they just like ultra, ultra deep? Like, what is the topography here? Because right. Jimmy told me <laughs> in his podcast <laughs> that this wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the King feeding? Kong's world within the world isn't real? Yeah. <sighs> Unless they have those giant raptors falling in the lake. Frequently, I don't really know what kind of game they're eating either, right? You know, so right. yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a lush, verdant like forest yeah. or anything. It's pretty bare. It's kind of a desert. How is this thing alive and so big? You're right. The rule for like fish and reptiles is like they'll keep growing as long as they have enough food. Right. What has this thing been eating? <laughs> like, would it have killed them as they're flying the jetpacks? Like we see off in the distance, like a giant herd of something. You know, like a herd of Ragnars. No, I don't know. What is, yeah, the one, the one thing we know it really wants to eat. No, 
<laughs> my theory is the only reason it killed the raptor was because it thought it still had Ragnar in his stomach. Or in her stomach. Yeah. Like, yeah. Killed it. <laughs> Gotta get that foundling. Gotta get that foundling. <laughs> Gracious. <laughs> oh. So you guys think the mythosaur is real? Huh? Is that the... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I it, so. it, it showcased it like it was real. Like, it didn't seem yeah. visiony. It didn't have any of, like, the vision elements you typically like see aura. directors put into shows. It, it struck me as, a, yeah. no, no, for realsies, I saw something down there. <laughs> well, and I just think practically, I, I, I can't imagine that after all this time and effort and, like, bringing this, this culture, right, this, this mandalorian subculture that that came out of nothing right in the original movies at all and and has become so much to the fans i don't think you're gonna you know like oh no it wasn't a real mythosaur it was just a vision yeah no no one's gonna be happy with that well i like the armorer's response when bogotan pushes the point she's like no no i really saw one for real down there and the armorer Mm -hmm. is like one will see many strange things when you walk the, the way or the path or whatever yeah and I was yep. like, I mean, that's a pretty solid way to take something like that in stride, right? <laughs> then again, you don't know if she's like freaking out under the helmet. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. it makes everybody yeah. seem like super stoic. But, you know, in reality, who knows what's going on back there? Yeah. <laughs> well, and she's the one, the armor is the one who brought all of that up in the first place, you know, which which was the first time I was like, oh, my gosh. They're going to do this because, you know, you wouldn't just say that just like the people that say like, well, we don't actually know if Thrawn's going to ever show up in live action. Like, yeah, he is like there's <laughs> like you don't say He's that brought everybody else. Then, in. Come no, on, like, come on. You know, <laughs> like they if they brought in Luke. They're going to bring in Thrawn. Um, but yeah, it's just um, I'm really curious to see, uh, you know, there, it's it's I can't quite think of exactly the connection, but there's there's something like a Christian connection with this just. You know, you'll see it, I think, in my own life, I've seen it once or twice, nothing too wild that I'll share. But, but you know, we see these moments in the lives of the saints, right? Where When someone first starts getting really serious about their faith, like that's when the demons come, <laughs> you know, or, or when the, the pressure really comes on. I have you know, friends who have told me multiple times, you know, some priest friends who have described sometimes that collar as like a target. <laughs> like the moment that thing goes on, like it's just a magnet for the bizarre the you know but also these great opportunities of of grace so it'll be really interesting to see what i'm really curious about is if if we're gonna get um i can't remember the character names but um uh the the guys who abandoned bo katan um i can't remember the real names either for some reason all i can remember about is sasha banks i forget what her real name is i just know she's she's snoop dogg's niece (laughs) just for those who are interested in trivia Apparently, she got interested in professional wrestling when he took her to like see some professional wrestling. I was like, "Are we gonna? Can we get a Snoop Dogg cameo? Like, and make him a Mandalorian?" Um, but there, there is. I, I'm wondering if they're gonna get some of those folks back. And we've also heard that uh, I think it was officially put out right a while back that, um, and I had forgotten this, that uh, Christopher Lloyd, who I love so much, from Doc Brown himself, uh, uh, is officially on the cast list for this season. You know, as they saying he might play Bo-Katan's dad. May oh, I you know what I hadn't even thought of that. But they just said an aged, you know, uh, uh, Mandalorian. That Mm. would be so cool. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll say great Scott, but I'll (laughs) I'll hold out hope. I have the 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 guy, the panelists, the the panelists can see it. Maybe I do have. Well, maybe not. I have a little one of those. uh, They sell them at Walmart. One of the um, 
um, it's the Back to the Future, uh, nice. the time machine. I have the DeLorean on the, uh, the memorabilia shelf behind me. Yeah. No, so... so uh, no, that's a good thought. I hadn't thought of that. I had the Mr. Fusion as my wedding cake. Oh, is that right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just, yeah, I, I, that'll be, I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. And I, I've always loved him. I loved him in Star Trek, you know, <laughs> was, uh, what was his character's David? Uh, I can't remember any of it now. Was he in Wrath of Khan? Wasn't he the, um, oh, he, he was, was one the of Klingon, great not Wrath Klingons. of Khan, uh, in, um, he was, um, um this is what the secrets of yeah. Star Trek people are just slapping their foreheads right now. Like, Mike, don't do it. Don't try to, don't try to swim in that pond. Which <laughs> Number two, no, two is Wrath of Khan, three, he was in, is he in three, I want to say? Was that Search for Spock? Yeah, Search for Spock. Yeah, yeah, he's in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he the one that kills Kirk's son, right? He's the main bad guy. I can't remember his name for some reason, but but yeah, um, I want to say he did it again later as a different Klingon, but yeah, but yeah, Christopher Lloyd, um, I know he's coming, and then there were some others that were rumored, you know, we'll we'll just have to see. But my point being, you know, I think there was one clip we saw in one of the trailers of another mandalorian domed looking city somewhere and it didn't look like mandalore at least unless it's a flashback or something it was really lush and at least that's what it looked like so i don't have to go back and watch that again but um so yeah i I don't know it'll be interesting to see where this goes um do you guys have any predictions for next week or anything it's been kind of hard to predict (laughs) oh gosh yeah I feel like I Dr. Pershing has to come back in right somewhere because we have to see what happens to him and all that yeah good yeah. gravy yeah yeah and, well see and how Owen. much of his brain is left right well yeah <laughs> and and I I forgot to mention like Moff Moff Gideon obviously because Giancarlo Esposito is very much in this season so I mean there's only a few episodes left so yeah it's, uh, it's weird like we got that first episode and we, it felt like like this you know the redemption arc was going to be the whole season and like nope done yeah. on episode two right and now we're at episode four <laughs> and I'm kind of like we're running out of episodes guys what yeah. what are we doing here yeah <laughs> oh my goodness yeah and, and it'll be I mean um, uh, Pedro Pascal had, had said something cryptic about I don't think there was necessarily too much to make of it but he had said something cryptic about you know Grogu and, and Din kind of coming into their own and, and potential disagree, disagreements or something that, that seemed to suggest that they would be put at odds a little bit. And I don't think with the age of Grogu here, you know, at this, he's pretty early developmental stage. He's not like teenager, <laughs> you know, like teenage Grogu. I think of like a teenage Groot was such a funny thing in, in Marvel. So I, we're not yeah. going to get that kind of thing, but I am curious, like, you know, you're not going to have Grogu, like, having second thoughts and being like, well, maybe I should join Moff Gideon. Like, but I, I wonder, and you, I don't think you can just have him kidnap him again because we've done that. But, I mean, he seems to still want Grogu, <laughs> you know? So, because um, we still don't really know who Grogu is, right? Or Or what he's about or... The, you know and yeah you, it can't you, you know yeah you there's the so many questions still <laughs> from the whole uh ted talk that the doctor was giving at the beginning of that that you know didn't make sense to the rest of his storyline but did give us this little tidbit that he had been playing with combining genetic samples from different uh hosts in order to make a whole new you know creature and you're right. kind of thinking to yourself well what is grogu exactly yeah is yeah. is Grogu even Grogu? Like, is mm. he? Is this the original, or does he just? Oh, that's have interesting. His some of his memories because he's partly him, but also not 
him. Yeah. He's something else. Like, and. Oh, that's interesting. And he was created in a lab and then stolen by those pirates and hit on that, that planet. And that's why he was down there. I know that came up in season one that people were wondering if Groku was genetically made or if he was. Right. Like, actually. But I thought that that was clarified in that. I think Kuil said something about it. He, he said he didn't think he was because he said yeah. he, he had worked in the gene farms or something. There was some random reference like that. But, I mean, maybe he's wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought the doctor wanted him because of the high midichlorian count. You yeah. know, so I know that, you know, in some of the non-canon books, they talked about the attempts of cloning Jedi and how often they failed because there was, you know, a hard, you know, trying to accelerate the growth fast enough without messing them in the head because of the force. Mm. So that could be all playing into it. Because that's a long investment, right? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like even on Camino of them, like 10 years to get them to be like 20, 25, 30 or something like that. You know, that's. Yeah, long. And you t- you th- start thinking about okay, what characters could play that kind of long game? Yeah, and it's not Thrawn, and it's also no. you know, right. you come back to like one or two people here, <laughs> right? Who you always right. come back to? Well, and I just I keep thinking like it'll be interesting to see if they do anything with this. But you know, another thing I'd kind of forgotten about for a while, but somebody brought up recently. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, it, it just feels like it can't be a mistake that Grogu and Anakin are exactly the same age. You know, maybe that's the day, but that they are, you know, in canon they're they are born or arrive, however you want to look at it, the same year. And I'm just like, that's that seems significant, <laughs> especially when, you know, the only two others that we've ever seen at all of this species is Yoda and Yaddle, you know. And we have, of course, established that, you know, it is a sure thing that if you look like that and are green and have those ears, you know, you, you just have crazy, you know, force powers. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like when I heard that Grogu and Anakin were the same age, it made me think about the, the three, the father, the daughter and the son. Mm-hmm. And how he talked about how there's always that balance that has to happen. Mm. So was. Anakin and Grogu supposed to be the counterpoint to each other? I wonder. It's almost like uh, somebody pointed out, and I've, I'm hazy, it's been a long time since I uh, read the uh, the Harry Potter books, but I, I know that there was something in one of the last books, it wasn't in any of the movies, about like Neville, forgive me if you know there's Harry Potter fans out there, but I believe Neville was sort of like a backup to Harry <laughs> in the yeah, strange sort of, Neville, like there was some sort of like, basically you know, both Neville and Harry because of their birth dates could fit the prophecy. That's and so right. There yeah. was a question mark about which one it was. And ultimately Voldemort by, by picking Harry caused yeah. it to be about Harry. Like otherwise right. it was nebulous. And because Voldemort did what he did, he caused the prophecy yeah. to be about Harry. Well, that's just an interesting thought in and of itself, because it's like, again, back to Grogu's age, you know, like this, you're looking now at completely uncharted territory for the story where you guys remember in Visions, there was that one, did you, did you watch the Visions series? Oh, yeah. You know, there was that one, I, I only saw it once, but the, um, there was an episode that was like those Jedi, like, um, like it was, I think super far in the future and like there were no lightsabers anymore and that there was that whole big, yeah 
it, it was interesting to me because it was so different, right? It was just so far out into the potential timeline. And I was like, you know, I mean, you know, you, you can jump. Like, what happens if you jump three, four, five hundred years from now? I mean, everybody else is gone. I mean, long gone, centuries gone. I mean, Grogu, if he lives to Yoda age, you know, you're talking almost as much time from now till then, till when he dies, as has passed since Tar Vizsla. You know, the yeah. first Mandalorian Jedi. So, like, it's it, for this for their people for that kind of um, cultural development, and wondering where the Jedi goes. Because, I mean, we don't know where he is during um, sequel trilogy stuff. But you know, you have Rey going off at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, and that's only what twenty five or so years, I think, after this point in the timeline. So, it's just yeah, there's a lot of cool questions of like. Where is Grogu <laughs> when he's still relatively young, right? You know, and Ray is out there somewhere. So, yeah, I, I think about stuff like that a lot, too. He's purgle surfing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's got to happen, right? You know, those little Funko, like the little cutesy Funko pops with him, like in the Stormtrooper helmet. <laughs> like you got to have one like we. He thought he thought riding in the. Uh, the daddy, like, you know, front backpack on IG-11 was fast and exciting. Like, wait, wait, he's, he's out there in hyperspace. A little bubble, like, helmet on or something. So, <laughs> I'm running out of room in the office. I, I would put it up here somewhere. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, guys, we're, um, um, that's I, pretty much all I had for my notes. And, you know, there's so much more we could get into here, but just any closing thoughts you guys had any you know, final stuff you want to mention that we didn't get to or. Well, just one little art thought, since I do mm-hmm. a lot of uh, liturgical embroidery, I loved the gold embroidery on. Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, Kellerin. Kellerin Beck's yeah. robe. I think it was the first time I noticed like beautiful embroidery on a Jedi's robe. So I was like, Ooh, there's some significance to that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Pat? You know, I, I think it was interesting. The conversation that Grogu was, or that the armorer was having with Grogu, I guess to Grogu while she was mm-hmm. making him his, um, I can't remember what that's called. That, oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, his little the, piece of armor. Rondell? Rondell. Rondell, yes. yeah. Rondell, yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that deflects swords, which right. you got to ask yourself, <laughs> why do they have that? But <laughs> um, so you gotta, he's got that little Rondell with the mud horn on it, right? Because um, mm. in part because he's the ward of Din, uh, in part, I think, personally, because he helped kill the Mudhorn. Like, it was partly his kill. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's got that chess piece now on top of the the chainmail underneath it and the conversation about adversity and overcoming things while he's flashing back to, this is, I've been in this kind of terrible situation before and was helpless. Um, hmm. And maybe you get kind of a, a read into why he decided to take the Mandalorian path instead of the Jedi path, because in the Jedi path, what he got was this, you know, terrifying adventure of, you know, everyone he knew getting killed and then having to be whisked away and being powerless to stop it. Mm-hmm. Whereby it seems like, you know, from 
you know, day couple into him being taken seriously as a foundling, he's already had a had a training weapon strapped on him and, and shot another kid. Like, <laughs> there's definitely a different advancement in defending yourself or being able to attack. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was that was a very yeah. interesting sort of potential see into growth. And that's, that's always one of the problems with Grogu. Like, it's a problem with the Mandalorians. Like, you can't see their facial features. So really all you have is their words. And with Grogu, mm. you get the facial features, but you got no words. So you get... <laughs> It's like getting right. half of, yeah. you know, now that one's blind and that guy's deaf. You know, it's, right. it's like, <laughs> I, I can't get like, the full We're going to work this out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I just think, and it's so cool. The only thing I, I I forgot to mention earlier, I wanted to add there that was such a neat thought was the, or I, th- I thought was how it, it's, it's the combination to, or the overlap, right? Between his Mandalorian training in this path he's on but the thing that makes him successful you know you can argue in that that square off with ragnar is the force jump yes <laughs> you know which is cool too so like this idea of like he's pulling in and didn't didn't Din say something or, or bo says like oh, did you teach him that he's like not me <laughs> like he's, he's like i don't know he, he went off to this jedi dude and he came back and he's jumping all the time <laughs> <laughs> and any Sometimes more armor on that? <laughs> any yeah. more armor on that little body? He's gonna have to use the force all the time just to walk. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah. yeah. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it from us for this week. So uh, we want to know what you all thought of this episode of The Mandalorian. My notes still said the Bad Batch. <laughs> it happens. So please let us know your thoughts by emailing us any feedback you have over to uh, starwars at sqpn.com or visiting the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can also check out StarQuest on Facebook, on Twitter. Just look up uh, StarQuest Media on Facebook and uh, at sqpn on Twitter. Uh, You can also find previous episodes of this show by visiting sqpn.com slash Star Wars. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our Secrets of Star Wars patrons, including John C., Frank T., Tom C., James N., and Eric B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Star Wars and all of the shows at StarQuest. And please join them. Consider joining them over at sqpn.com slash give. Please tell all your friends to follow The Secrets of Star Wars and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Just just Google us and follow everywhere you can. We really appreciate it. And as always, you can get all kinds of cool merch over at our merch store, sqpn.com slash merch, M-E-R-C-H. So we'll be back next week to unpack episode five of Mandalorian season three, which I kind of like, by the way, guys, that we don't know the titles of the episodes. You know, as you do with Bad Batch, that's fine. But uh, it's nice to have that surprise there. So mark your calendars because you're not going to want to miss it. So until next time, Catherine Laffrey, thank you so much for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you. This was fun as always. Absolutely. And Patrick Mason, thank you, too. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Wonderful to be here. And once again, I'm Mike Creevy. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. PlayStation Portable. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at starquest.fm slash PSP.